Morning, church. I'm grateful to be with you all here this morning. I am a minister and also a community organizer with a group called the Washington Interfaith Network. We organize churches, mosques, synagogues, and unions across the city um, to create local community change. So I'm excited to be with you here and talk about a topic that has become something that is close to me and near to my heart when it comes to justice. It takes a lot of work to reteach and reframe my own mind on what anger is, and I look forward to exploring that with you all. So our scripture this morning that was just read, we see Jesus walking into the temple courts. So the temple court was right outside of the temple, right outside maybe of the front of this church here. And it was common that there were money changers and that there were uh, animals there to be bought and sold for sacrifice. It was actually a very common and normal scene. And Jesus wasn't necessarily angry at that. See, this was the time of Passover, and at Passover, the diaspora of the Jewish people would have to come uh, to have sacrifice at this time. Some would bring their own animals, and some would buy the animals that were there. So we look at this scene, and if this wasn't strange to Jesus, why was he so angry? This is a wild scene, right, where we can See Jesus coming in. The scripture says that he had a cord and was driving out the animals with a whip, right? He was turning over tables. I can imagine the money changers on the ground trying to grab their coins not to lose them. The frightened animals, the vendors trying to grab them and bring them back. I don't know about you, but this is not the image that I grew up learning about Jesus in Sunday school. I think of Jesus healing the blind man. Yes. Jesus calling the children to sit with him. Absolutely. But Jesus being angry, Jesus getting mad and and causing disruption at church of all places. Growing up, my church did a great job at teaching me to love God and that God loved me, but anger was something that we didn't talk about. It was something that I, as a proper young woman, should never feel or experience, right? As a Christian, that I should be filled with calm and peace at all times. And again, while we do see examples of Jesus being peaceful and calm, We also see examples of Jesus getting very angry throughout Scripture. From Jesus telling Peter to get behind me, Satan, to looking at the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and saying to them that they were blind guides. At one point, calling them a brood of vipers. If we are going to follow Jesus, we've got to learn to deal with anger. We've got to contend with what it means that God can get angry. So what is anger? Anger is that hot feeling of frustration and displeasure. Have you ever experienced it? I think if you're human, you have. I have a toddler at home, and I've learned that even children experience anger right after I say the word no every time, right? That we all experience anger. 
It's a natural emotion of humanity. It's not bad. It's how we use it that matters. It's what we do with it. I think about often in the church that we still sometimes want to minimize or push it away. Some people of faith actually do not like to even deal with this scripture, right? We like to skip over it and move on. But I think if we ignore it, then we're doing ourselves a great disservice. Anger is an emotion that reveals something incredibly powerful. It reveals that something is not right. And when we listen to it, I believe it can help guide us. So from the front, I want to make a very important distinction. There's a distinction between anger and rage. One reason I think we struggle with anger is because we equate it with rage. We equate it with something that has consumed us. Rage is inherently destructive, but anger has the ability to be constructive. And when we see anger turn into this uncontrollable rage, we often see that it leads to acts of violence. And let me be clear, any time that anger turns to rage and that rage exhibits itself in violent acts or words, Jesus does not condone this. This is something that we have to think about deeply. That anger, this constructive anger, can be like a fire, right? A fire can keep you warm at night. A fire, one spark of it, can cause an engine to run. But it can also be destructive if it's not controlled, right? It can burn down a home. It can destroy even towns and cities. So the recognition that we've got a question, is our anger controlled and kept in line with what God is calling us to do? One of the other scriptures that was shared this morning was in Ephesians, where Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. He does not say, don't get angry, right? He does not say to ignore or push down this basic human emotion. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Maybe do not let it become rage. Do not let it consume you. The anger of Jesus, I believe, is controlled and directed. So why did Jesus get angry at this morning? In the temple courts, why was he so angry if this was a common scene that he had been experienced over and over? It's that we know that at this time, Jerusalem was under Roman rule. And it was a very well-known secret that the Roman uh, authorities and the Jewish leaders were often working together. They often had something, if you can let me say it this way, a side hustle, right? That they were making money on the side. That the Jewish uh, vendors said, okay, we'll upcharge people and we'll split the cash, right? The Roman vendors and the Jewish vendors will split the cash. The church can have a little bit, and we'll get a little bit more on our sides too, right? To line our pockets. As I mentioned, people were traveling from very, very far. Many people were poor rural farmers who were coming to make sacrifices because they wanted to worship God. But there were two things that were happening. One is that people who didn't travel with their own sacrifice, sacrifice were being charged exuberant rates. 
They were being charged way beyond of what this animal would actually cost. And sometimes it would eat into their savings and everything they had, their resources to get back home. But because they had no other choice, they had to pay this price. The people were being exploited. Another common practice for those who did bring their animals, traveling hundreds and sometimes thousands of miles with their animal, the vendors would look at it and say, wait a minute, see that blemish on the right ear of your lamb? It's not really acceptable for sacrifice, but it's your lucky day, right? I've got a wonderful lamb that I can trade you. If you give me your lamb and maybe $59.99, then I'll give you this lamb. Jesus was incredibly angry because people were being exploited. People who were coming to worship, to worship and be in the presence of God, were being taken advantage of. Jesus cast them out because he said, this is unacceptable. And it's especially egregious because religious leaders are benefiting off the exploitation of people. If Jesus did not get angry in this moment, I would have a hard time, right? He was saying that something is not right. When we think about somebody who taught, looked at anger and transformed it, I think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was someone throughout his writings who dealt a lot with anger. He wrote about what it meant to experience anger that drove him to make community change, to fight for civil rights. But he wrestled with what it meant to not be consumed by this bitterness or hate. And a story that he shares in one of his, in his autobiography, it was a story that happened in 1943. And it reads like this. When I was 14, I traveled from Atlanta to Dublin, Georgia with a dear teacher of mine. Miss Bradley, to participate in an oratorical contest. We were on a bus returning to Atlanta, and along the way, some white passengers boarded the bus, and the white driver ordered us to get up and give up our seats. We didn't move quickly enough to suit him, so he began cursing us. I intended to stay right in my seat, but Miss Bradley urged me up, saying we had to obey the law. We stood up in the aisle for 90 miles to Atlanta. That night will never leave my memory. It was the angriest I had ever been in my life. A young Dr. King was angry because something wasn't right. Because he experienced cursing, right? He saw people that he loved being cursed and beat and spit upon and treated as less than human. But instead of letting his anger consume him, he transformed it creatively to fight for a new world. Think of a time that you've been angry about someone being mistreated around you. How did you respond? Did you stuff it inside of you? Or did you allow it to be transformed? Did you ask God to help you transform it and use it creatively? And this doesn't mean that controlling anger is easy by any means. Again, as I mentioned, Dr. King wrestled with it. 
He prayed constantly in his writings about it, about how he could use it to something deeper. His anger, like Jesus and like God's in the Hebrew text, it was righteous anger. It was anger that was this engine that drove to change the world. Anger can be that red flag that wakes us up and says something is not right if we listen to it. And it can be something that makes us aware and fuels us to do something different. We see not just here in the Gospel of John, but throughout the Hebrew texts, that when God gets angry at injustice and the exploitation of people, God doesn't just sit stewing in the heavenly throne room. God steps out of heaven and into the world to liberate the Israelites, right? To knock down the walls when the Israelites were exploiting people and not following God. He brought people home from Babylon and away from their oppressors. And Jesus models this character of God who refuses to sit on the sidelines of history and do nothing. And Jesus invites us as people of faith and as followers of Jesus to do the same. Now, I've come a long way from my childhood on how I deal with anger. I'm not a master of it. I do not have all the answers for you this morning. If some of you do, let me know afterwards. But anger is something I've learned to wrestle with. So in organizing, we teach the Norse uh, word for anger is grief. If you look at the root word, it means grief. We grieve that things are not the way they should be, that things are not right. So in organizing, I've learned how to help transform this in a creative way through getting to know people who are in pain, right, who are proximate to pain, and asking them to lead me what do they want to do about their anger. One example of this is working with our faith partners and the streetcar or circulator. And circulator. Has anyone ever read this, ridden the circulator? The big red bus, right? Okay. Or the streetcar? So those are actually privatized out, if you don't know, to a multinational company in Scotland. So a couple years back, those workers received an average of $10 less than every WMATA worker and an average of $10 less than national transit workers, even in one of the wealthiest cities in our nation's capital. They also had really poor benefits and no retirement. So I began going and meeting with people. I began going and listening to their stories on the bus line and in the bus yards and hearing what they cared about and honestly, what made them angry. I didn't even have to prompt them, right? But they began telling me over and over, one young man, Luis, who said, I've been working here for two years and I just now found out that I don't get debt remediation because we're contract workers. I took this job so I could get debt remediation from college because we're technically government workers. From things like that that are frustrating, right, to another woman, Miss Eastman, who explained that she had pain in her tooth for a year and a half, but because this private company only paid 20% of her benefits, she couldn't afford to have the surgery to pull that tooth out. Stories like that to another woman who was sitting in her bus, picking up people who were disabled and was not able to go to the bathroom 
or else she would lose her job and had to go while she was driving. I heard that story and I could not help being angry. Operators get a certain amount of time for bathroom breaks, usually two minutes and 50 seconds. And if you miss it, then you get a dock. And she had received two docks, and on the third one, you would lose your job. Little things like that, that do not allow people to be human, should make us angry. It made her very angry. And I asked her, and I asked these other leaders, what do you want to do about it? And the answer became to organize, to push back for better wages and benefits. And as we began to organize, the operators and the management from the Scottish company began threatening workers. They began telling them, if you talk to those faith people and working with them, you actually might lose your job. Which, if you don't know, is against federal law, right? Organizing is a, is a federally covered, <laughs> covered ability and right for every worker. We saw a young man actually lose his job for leading the organizing work. So one afternoon, we gathered some clergy and about 15 lay leaders, and we marched together up to the streetcar barn to talk to management. We asked management to come down, and he refused, so we said, we'll wait. We were then told 30 minutes later he was going to be in a meeting all day, and we said, we'll wait. So after we waited for about another hour, the manager came down and said, I don't have time to talk to you today. And we said, we only need 30 seconds of your time. We delivered him a letter, and we asked him to stop disrespecting the leaders and reinstate the young man that had been fired. We pressured him to do something because we were angry and because the workers were angry. And in that moment, he got incredibly frustrated, right? And he said, I'm calling the police on you, even though we were being completely peaceful. He began throwing threats and a lot of other things. And in that moment, one of our ministers knelt down to his knee, and he started singing, We Shall Not Be Moved. And all of our lay leaders and our clergy and workers began singing, We Shall Not Be Moved. And in that moment, through the glass wall, you could see all of the workers stand up proud and nod their heads at us. After this peaceful demonstration, it took a bit, we were able to get this young man reinstated into his job, and I had a worker come up to me and say, without this work and without these people of faith coming and standing here today, I would have never known that people of faith cared about me or my job. He said, I grew up in this city, but I never have once entered the door of a church except for funerals. And today I know that people of faith care. It's a creative way to transform our anger, to not only be proximate to pain, but to work to change things. So just six months ago, after a three-year-long campaign, we were able to use this anger of our leaders of faith and people to get wage raises for streetcar and circulator operators. They now make an average of $10 an hour more than what they did. Their benefits are not perfect, right? But they now cover, the multinational covers, 80% rather than 20%. And they only pay 20 out of their pocket. We're not fully there, but it has made a huge difference in the lives of workers. 
And I share this story as just one example of the way anger can be used creatively. I don't know the way that God is calling you to use your anger. There are many options for this. So as we consider the life of Jesus today, as we consider what made him angry, I want to ask you, what makes you angry? Is it injustice? Is it seeing people exploited in our city? Is it seeing people who are elderly who are unable to come to church and receive communion? And if it's that, go to them, be with them. Is your anger around young women who are pregnant one of the wonderful missions that your congregation started? Are you going to go and serve and be in that place? Maybe you're angry about people who are homeless on this hill that you see everywhere, right? We've seen that increase over the years. And maybe you're called to sit with somebody, to have a conversation, to provide a meal. Or maybe you're called to organize with us. Just right across the street a couple blocks is something called Potomac Gardens Public Housing. And our leaders of faith have been doing some listening sessions there and speaking to people who've lived there for years. People have shared with us about the rats and the roaches and the mold. I had a mom call and tell me that if she doesn't get her daughter out of there, she might not make it because of the asthma induced by the roach feces. These are issues that we as people of faith are called to be proximate to and called to help heal. We cannot fix it alone. But to ask the Spirit to lead us to be creative, to organize, to push back. So if this is a way that you feel called to engage, we're going to go with our congregations on June 18th to talk to residents and ask them what they want to see and what they want to do and how we can help be allies in changing what's happening there. Again, I don't know how the Spirit will lead you. That's up to God. But I do pray that our hearts will be opened, that we will listen. And the next time we feel anger, we will ask ourselves, where does this anger come from? Does it align with the anger that God has that we see over and over throughout Scripture? And if it does, how are we going to use it to build a better world around us? So I pray this morning that you will listen to your anger, that you will let it inform you, and that you will allow the Spirit to help you transform it to go out and build a better world. Amen.